This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 57 with Onik Singhal. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and I'm really excited to have on as my guest a person that I've been following for a while and that has been very inspirational to me and that I've learned so much from him, especially in building a digital platform and business. My guest today is Anik Singhal, best-selling author Anik Singhal is the founder and CEO of Learn Inc. and VSS Mind. He is widely considered by the industry as one of today's most successful digital publishing marketers. His specialties include profit-generating product launches, building backends and funnels, article marketing, search engine optimization, affiliate marketing, and business management consulting. Business Week recognized him in the top three of the best U.S. entrepreneurs under 25. He's an Inc. 500 CEO listed two times among the fastest growing companies in America. And while in college at the University of Maryland, he was awarded Company of the Year from MTech and named Entrepreneur of the Year by the Hinman CEOs. His digital publishing businesses generate over $20 million a year in sales, and he has helped contribute to over $100 million in online publishing sales. This is between his own products and his clients' businesses. Today, Anik teaches people how to create their own online passion-based businesses. He then guides them through the step-by-step process to maximize profit and grow revenue, And he's trained over 250,000 students around the world, and many have gone on to become incredibly successful and true industry-leading experts. Onik is also incredibly passionate about giving back. For nearly two decades, he devoted his life to building schools around the world, and he dreams of providing education to those who are not currently receiving that birthright. As of today, Onik has been a key driver in helping build four schools in India, and he plans to scale his mission globally, all through his nonprofit organization, For All Our Good. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview with me. You can tweet me at Twitter, at MCLobsher, or reach me by email, info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44. Two two two. That's two fours and three twos. Guys, I'm extremely excited. I'm hosting my first webinar with Thinkific, Sid Barat, a previous guest on the show. And in this webinar, Sid is going to present the ultimate blueprint to easily create and sell your first online course. This is on Wednesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And 
In this webinar, you're also going to learn the proven step-by-step process to create, promote, and sell your first online course, the tools you'll need to easily build your course, even if you have zero technical skills, case studies and best practices from some of the top instructors who are just doing incredibly well with their online courses. And there's also going to be a live Q&A to answer all of your questions about creating and selling online courses. You can sign up for the webinar at CashflowNinja.com forward slash webinar. That's CashflowNinja.com forward slash webinar. As some of my listeners may know, I live in Newtown, Pennsylvania, a town that is about 45 minutes away from Philadelphia, the birthplace of the United States, the home of the cheesesteak, the Rocky Steps, and also the hometown of the beloved founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Now, Benjamin Franklin believed in investment and knowledge pays the best interest, and early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. The Cashflow Ninja have aligned itself with partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense and earth-grown foods, and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middleman. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000 and do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And of course, our wise partner, Audible, offers a free audiobook download of any audiobook when you try Audible for 30 days at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Cashflow Ninja Podcast with your host, MC Lobsher. You must be prepared to ignite. Anik, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's my honor and pleasure. Can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey as an entrepreneur? Ooh, all right. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, well, look, I got started about 14 years ago. I was in college, and I was studying to be a doctor. And you know, ever since I could think back to when I was a kid, I was that kid who had the lemonade stand. Um, but I always joke, I was the kid who had the lemonade stand, but had other people working it for him. Um, so you know, while I was in watching cartoons. And so as far as back as I could ever think, you know, I had these entrepreneurial tendencies. I don't know where I get them from. There's nobody in my family. You know, I'm from Indian descent, so typically we're all doctors, lawyers, engineers. That's what my family's full of. Uh, so I went in that track. You know, everyone in my family who I thought was very well off, well, they were doctors. So I thought, great, I'll be a doctor. But first year into school, I realized very quickly waking up every morning became very difficult. Um, just did not enjoy my classes. And no disrespect to doctors. They've saved my life many times. And so just wasn't a profession for me. And that was when I really started to do some soul searching. And I realized, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But here's the problem with wanting to be an entrepreneur. You know, when you want to be a doctor, you have this structured program to go through these classes. One day you get a certification. And it's kind of a it, – the trajectory is done for you. You don't have to think about it. Well, becoming an entrepreneur, you got to think. There's no such trajectories laid out for you. So it was a tough decision. I, I had to switch universities. I lost a full scholarship. I, I was literally being recruited by Harvard and um, 
you know, I was I was on track to becoming a, going to one of the best med schools. I had to rip all of that apart and go into this world that nobody knew anything about in my family and that I didn't either. Luckily, I'm surrounded by amazing people. My family is just the best. Uh, they rallied around me, and uh, you know, I remember the first thing I ever did. I went to Google. I typed in how to make money. That was my first thing as an entrepreneur to do, and I was that clueless. I really just didn't know. I didn't even know. I didn't even know I wanted to make money on the internet. That was something I, I you know, came upon through my research. But, um, but yeah, it was. You know, I started with that. I had a hundred dollars to my name. You know, it took me eighteen months of just banging my head against a wall. I mean, I was struggling. I and I put the hours in. I've hustled. I've hustled from day one. That's not a problem with me ever. But I just couldn't get it. You know, I just couldn't make it work. I couldn't even make a dollar. So I was in school, still in college, and while working a part-time job and doing this. So I literally didn't sleep, didn't go to college football games, didn't go to beer parties. I just worked on this. And I was finally down and out. I was ready to quit. You know, it took 18 months, but finally my spirits were broken, and I decided I'm done. And I went to this forum that I used to participate at a lot. I used to really learn a lot from this forum. Everyone used to talk about online entrepreneurism there. And I told everybody, I said, listen, if I don't make money in the next 24 hours, I'm done. I'm quitting. Going back to the original route of just getting a job, and it's not for me. It was then, it was back then that some some unspoken angel, who I don't know till this day, I don't know their name, okay? They messaged me on that forum uh, candidly, uh, so not candidly, I would say privately, and gave me a, a little formula. They said, listen, I've been watching you for a year. I don't want you to quit, kid. Um, you're almost there, but I've been seeing the mistakes you've made. Do the following three things. I don't usually give advice, but I'll give you advice today. And I almost didn't do it because I was just like, yeah, another one more thing to try and fail at. But I did. Finally, I did. That night before I went to bed, I thought, what do I have to lose? I'll try it. You know what? I woke up the next morning and I had made my first $300. Uh, that made more money while I was sleeping that night than I had made in the last 18 months combined. That began. I, I like to say that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. From there, I never looked back. Um, I started to grow my company. I started to really figure the system out. I I was sitting in college at, at some point making a million dollars a year uh, with very little motivation to go to class, but I did um, finish my degree. And when I graduated, I was literally just, you know, I was, the company was scaling so quickly, I didn't know what the heck to do. So I got into an incubator program. I started seeking assistance and help. And next thing I knew, I was sitting on a $10 million a year business. But um, I wish I could say it was all rosy because I made some crucial mistakes. And I think we're going to talk about some mistakes and lessons. But this is one of the big ones I had in my life. And believe it or not, even though I was sitting on a business, I had millions in the bank account. I was making over $10 million a year in revenue and Next thing I knew, when the uh, economic downturn happened around 2009, 2010, someone pulled out the rug from under me. Next thing I knew, I found myself $1.7 in debt, uh, company falling apart. Uh, it was the most trying time of my life. And even I think about it today, I, I get goosebumps and I uh, wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. But I learned some of the best lessons as an entrepreneur that I've learned. So I was down and out again. I, got, I went back to square one as of the uh, late 2011, early 2012. And, you know, I went back to the basic core system that had worked for me. And we'll talk about all of that throughout this interview. But um, I had paid back my $1.7 in debt in about 16 months. I was back on top. Today we're running a company who probably do close to $20 million, uh, back to scaling and doing it the right way. So, you know, in short – 
I've had a very roller coaster journey as an entrepreneur. I've, 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 I've had it. I've lost it. I've had it again. I've learned great lessons. I've taken risks. Uh, it's been exciting. It's been trying. Uh, but, it, you know, I think the number one thing it's been is very educational. Now, Anik, you've had huge success in creating these online businesses and have taught your students powerful affiliate and email marketing strategies. Can you please share your just your approach and philosophy to coming up with an idea for an online business, whether it's creating an information product or promoting someone else's information products through affiliate and email marketing? Sure. You know, it's funny you ask me this question because when I went bankrupt and when I was at that lowest point, um, I realized that there was a core decision I'd started to make about, you know, a year before that or whatever. And that was I started to do that which I thought would make money. I started to do that which I thought could sell. And all of a sudden, I found myself in a situation where the revenue was plummeting. And I really had a moment of reflection and I thought, okay, I need to change the way I do my business. I need to change the way I make my decisions. So what, you know, I thought to myself, well, what worked for me when I first started? Now, let's go back 13 years ago when I made my first $300 or when I made my first 100000 and even when I made my first million. And what I realized was very simple little philosophy, little rule to use. And, if, and, and the best and the biggest entrepreneurs in this world have been built by this rule. And that is... Create or sell that which you want or which you need. Think to yourself and figure out what is in your life. What's something missing that you wish existed? And if it did, you would use it as an entrepreneur. You would use it as a, as a person. You know, put yourself in that shoe and then create it. You know, entrepreneurs are known for finding problems and creating solutions. That's where they create their value. That's where they create their net worth, their monies, because they find a problem and they solve it. And so for me, it's actually very easy. I'm my biggest consumer. I can take a moment to look at myself and look at my life and say, what product do I need? What do I wish I had right now that I would pay for? Once I have that set, boom, create it. Not only do I fulfill my own desire, my own need, but guess what? I'm not that unique. There are millions of people like me all over the world. Now I can take the same service and product to them. And that goes into the next step. So now you've you've identified that problem or that need that you wanted to solve. And, okay, you found your niche. Say it's in, you know, let's just use money, relationships, health, three big ones right there. And you've come up with this idea and you go into the space. Now you have discussed how – you know, when you go into that space and you find others doing the same or similar things, it's not a bad thing. And discussed how modeling uh, these other successful entrepreneurs in the same space is not a bad thing at all. Um, can you share your philosophy and, and your thought process, just how it's not necessary to, to recreate the wheel or a new market when creating your, new, your own new business? Of course. Uh, I'll start by asking you a question. Um, is there only one type of soda that you can buy? (laughs) No. No? Is there only one type of burger place you can go to? No. So I think my point's there, right? Exactly. You don't, you know, models and systems are where it's at. You don't have to be unique. I think there's a big misunderstanding with what the word unique selling proposition means. And I think, yes, you've got to have a unique angle or a unique approach to things, but you don't need to have a unique product and a unique, you know, marketing model. 
Um, as a matter of fact, it's it's went reinventing a wheel that doesn't need to be invented. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes. There's a cardinal rule. People think that entrepreneurs are risk takers. And so I think a lot of people who are new entrepreneurs actually find themselves making these mistakes on purpose because they think that's what they're supposed to do, right? Entrepreneurs take risks. When I find actually the exact opposite is true. I would say successful entrepreneurs are not risk takers. We don't like risk. We're completely risk averse. What we are are really, really good at math. We're really good at figuring out the return versus risk factor. So when I go into a new niche, a new business, I want to first see who's doing what. I want to take who's doing well and I want to model right after them because the world is a big place. There's plenty of marketplace to be had and there is not one industry in this world that is dominated by only one company or one player. It just doesn't exist. So you can have your unique taste to it. You know, McDonald's tastes very different than Burger King. Pizza Hut tastes very different than Domino's, but they're both very successful. They're all successful. So you can have your unique flavor, but the overall model, I mean, how does Pizza Hut market their pizza? They run TV ads. They have certain pricing. You usually will get the same price at both places. You know, it's shocking typically when I look at films. I always laugh. During certain seasons, a movie comes out by one studio. It's about, you know, Armageddon by a, a you know, asteroid hitting Earth. Well, lo and behold, the next two or three movies that come out are about asteroids hitting the Earth. You know, because something going on during that time has shown that that is of interest and their market research has shown it. And three or four big movie studios come out with the same similar type of movie, all of them which go on to be hits. So in our industry, especially on the Internet, when we work with digital publishing, our competitors are actually our friends, believe it or not. It's one of the few industries where we promote each other. We're technically competitors. We have competing products, but we actually help each other. We promote each other because, you know. Different people speak differently. They train and teach differently, and different people will speak to different consumers. So when we kind of pool our resources together, we're able to promote. Um, and we share. We go to masterminds and share what's working. I just got back from one three weeks ago where I put all my top funnels, all my top advertising channels, everything on the table and said, here you go, because that's what everyone did in return. So absolutely, I think that if you're an entrepreneur right now looking to get into an industry or a niche, the first thing you should be doing is finding the top players dissecting the heck out of what they do and planning to model right after it. I don't I don't promote copying. I promote modeling. They're very different things. You've shared so much right now. There's so many important points here. I think the first one is too that mindset switch of abundance. You know, a lot of folks that I've spoken to, too, the first thing that they say, well, somebody's else already doing it. And I just look at myself, too. I'm like, well, do you think there's another investing in business podcast out there? <laughs> do, you, do you think there's another financial services uh, company out there, wealth management? It's the same thing. But to your point, there's enough for everybody to go around. And when you have that mindset of abundance, as you just shared, in these mastermind groups that, that I've gone to, some of those folks, like you just mentioned, they're, they're direct competitors or indirect competitors. But we all share knowledge. We we all share best practices and benchmarks because of that mindset of abundance that there's there's so much there's not enough you know there's so much out there where the average person might think oh there's not enough for everybody to go around look at all these people already in that space oh yeah absolutely uh you have to adapt the mindset of abundance it's math you know for those who i talk to that don't agree 
with abundance. You just got to pull numbers out. God, there's millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of consumers out there within a certain industry, within a certain niche. And people make decisions, buying decisions based on so many different things. You know, I buy certain products because I like the brand. I like the CEO. You know, I like their theory. I like the way they approach something. Whereas my best friend buys from the exact competitor for the exact opposite reasons. Doesn't make anyone more right or wrong. That's why I say modeling is great, but yeah, you at some point will need to come up with your flavor. Now let's talk about sales funnels. You've mastered the sales funnels. Can you talk about the importance of a sales funnel in achieving massive business growth? And can you um, also f- share with my listeners too the importance of not just focusing on that one-time sale, but having a sales system and funnel in place um, that focuses on the lifetime value of each customer that comes through this funnel? Of course, I'd be happy to. So, you know, when we talk about sales funnels, I, I love how it seems like it's such a new concept. You know, people will say, oh, funnels, oh, it's such a new and sexy thing. And then I laugh because I think about the first time McDonald's must have had one of their cashiers ask, do you want fries with that? (laughs) It, It was decades ago. You know, I think about the first time that your local grocery store must have figured out that we should put tabloids and candy and chips right at the register. Um, you know, funnels have been going on for a long time, and it's a core simple concept behind sales funnels. When you have somebody, and this is complete, this is neuro-linguistic programming, this is human behavior, this is sales psychology, whatever you want to call it. When you have somebody in the mode of buying, they are going to want to buy more. See, one thing you have to understand about sales to begin with is that consumers, that by nature, human beings love to buy. We get a complete kick out of it. There are actually there's scientific proof for the endorphins that are released in our brain when we make a purchase. And so essentially, it's a drug for us. We actually get on a high when we're buying something. And when you're on that high, that is the best time to tell someone to add something else to their cart to get something in addition. Now, that's the sales side of it. Now, let's talk about the good side of it. It doesn't necessarily have to mean you're taking advantage of your customer. And I think a lot of people who come brand new into sales funnels think, oh, my God, I just keep upselling, upselling, upselling. Well, no. Think about it from the consumer's perspective. If they've chosen to purchase something, I just came to McDonald's and I've chosen to purchase a hamburger. The person asks me, would you like fries for the, with that for $1? And I think, huh, I didn't really think about that, but um, yeah, I think fries would be kind of good with the burger, sure. Then they say, how about a soda to wash it down for another dollar? And you think, yeah, God, I could be thirsty. Yes, please. Now, what happens is, yes, McDonald's just doubled the size of the order. And although it may only be 2 or $3, imagine that over millions of transactions and now suddenly – Each person walking into McDonald's is worth so much additional money to McDonald's that they didn't have to advertise to get that person in the door. They were already there. But also think about me as a consumer leaving McDonald's. I'm more satisfied. I've had a bigger meal. I feel full. I feel good. So it's not like you're doing a disservice to your consumer. So sales funnels from a business owner standpoint are basically – it's free money. It's as simple as that gets. You've already got the person there. They've already agreed to buy something. You're simply offering them additional resources, additional services or products, and for every product they say yes to, that's free money. That's money you wouldn't have made before. So and I always look at this. Some people say, well, you know, what if I don't get enough people buying it? 
Or what if it doesn't really work that well? So I'll give you a, I'll give you a mathematical again. It's all about math, right? It's about proving people mathematically. So you have 100 people that come to your store of which let's say you have done a very, very bad job with your sales funnel and only two people take you up on your upsell offer. All right. So now that's only two. That stinks. You did a very bad sales funnel. However, that's two people that would not have done it. That's two people that's additional money you would have never made before had you not even at least just offered it. So you're still winning. You're still doing a lot better than before. And it's not going to hurt your conversions because we don't offer additional products till after they've purchased the main product. So it can only help. It can only build. And it's just it's additional revenue. Now, for any business to scale to the next level, for any business to go from being an entrepreneur startup, you know, to being a mature business, you have to learn to increase your average customer value, lifetime value, annual value, 90-day value. You have to do it. The better that average is, the more money you can spend on advertising, the more money you can spend on advertising, the more you can absolutely dominate over your competition. So, Something as simple as a sales funnel actually has a ripple effect on your entire organization, your ability to scale, your ability to service your customers, and your ability to basically market. So, you know, that's why the concept of sales funnels were invented decades, if not over a century ago. It's just today we're becoming, we're beginning to talk about it a lot more because of the internet and because how simple it's made, you know, the internet's made the process. Now, We've identified a, a business idea. We've come up with an idea in a, in a niche that we're passionate about and which not only solves our own problems but or pain, but we can service others through our products and services. And now we've created a sales funnel to put our prospective clients or customers through the process. How do we drive and get those prospective customers into our sales funnel. Can you share some strategies just how you drive traffic to some of your sales funnels? Oh, sure. My God, there are so many, so many ways of doing it. So I'll, I'll probably break it down a little bit more by just doing what I do, which is what you asked. Um, we have, you know, our two, I would say, two overwhelmingly majority sources of traffic. Now, again, like I said, there are hundreds of ways to drive traffic to your website, to drive consumers into your sales funnel. We primarily focus on two, and we're growing them slowly. And these two alone could probably lead us to being a billion-dollar company if this is all we ever did. Um, and the two are, one is affiliates. Now, what's an affiliate? An affiliate is somebody who has a target group of audience that they have influence over that matches your target customer. So I'll give you a prime example. Um, today, let's say you have John who has a product about weight loss. John goes to Bob. Bob has a database of 100,000 email addresses of people who he teaches weight loss to and fitness. Well, perfect marriage. Bob could promote for John. Bob could actually endorse John's product and say to his group of 100,000 people, I recommend you purchase John's product. It's excellent. And when Bob get when someone purchases based on Bob's recommendation, Bob would earn a commission. So we do that in reverse. We have a large pool of people who endorse our products and in turn get a commission for it, and that drives a sizable amount of revenue for us. And these opportunities exist in almost every niche and industry you can imagine on the internet, especially with the creation of the internet. The second source of traffic that is really just, I think, from local businesses down from the Guy who literally details my cars, I actually helped him set up this recently, all the way through 
large companies such as GM and GE and everybody, Facebook. Facebook is the one place where you have over 1.5 billion people sitting from all over the world and you can know everything about them. You know their age, you know their ethnicity, you know their likes, you know their, their hobbies, you know their behavior, purchasing behavior. You can even know the kind of income they're making, their college education levels. I mean, it's almost scary if you actually start to think about it in reverse how much Facebook knows about you and how much Facebook gives their advertisers access to. Now, Facebook doesn't tell me, hey, you know, Onik is this, this, this. But when I tell Facebook that this is the type of person I'm looking for, Facebook can send an ad my way very, very quickly. So if you can just master those two alone, literally those two alone will build you into into a multi, 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 multi-million dollar company. This year, between all the companies that I'm invested in or have a sizable share in, I believe we're going to cross 25, maybe $26 million in revenue. And those are our two overwhelming sources of traffic. And we're still only scratching the surface. That's amazing. Yeah, the targeting features of Facebook is, like you said, on the one hand, quite scary, but it narrows in and focus on your ideal customers so, so brilliantly. Now, Anik, let's talk about your book, The Circle of Profit. Can you please share the inspiration behind the book and give my listeners an overview of it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, that book for me... It's so funny. When I first wrote it, uh, I'll be very candid. I wrote it as a free report to give away when we, because we were doing a product launch. And it was meant to be something that was 30, 40, 50 pages. It was meant to be basically a glorified flyer for a promotion. But as I began to write this glorified flyer, uh, you could tell that it was truly a, a passionate topic. Because the words just started to come out and I started to realize that I had to do more. I had to do more. I had to talk about this. I had to teach that. And before I knew it, I had a 50,000-word book. And I wrote that book in about six days. That's what one thing most people do not actually know. I wrote that entire book in six days. I remember where I was. I was visiting my wife's family um, in Mumbai, India, and I took about six days off. I sat in the hotel's lounge, um, and I just wrote for hours and hours a day. My passion behind that book was to take what I do, to take what I teach individuals who want to use the internet to start building a business and to hand them a system, to hand them a checklist, to hand them exactly the formula that they can use to make their first few thousand dollars, to make their first few hundred thousand or to even make their first few million. What is in that book is genuinely what we do in this company every single day without fail. It's simple. It's something we repeat. It's something we rinse and repeat. And every single time in my life when I've gone away from what's in that book, it's hurt. So that is the event. That is the system for digital publishing. If anyone is out there thinking, what is the business model I can start today? What's the easiest way to make some money on the internet and to start building a business? Uh, that is what I've put in that book. My, my desire, my passion behind it was to finally answer that question. Now, as an entrepreneur and investor, we face adversity, and it's not always rainbows and unicorns, and you've mentioned some of the challenges that you have faced. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned and the best advice that you've gotten on your journey? Oh, absolutely. So I've got two pieces of advice. I'm, you can tell I'm very ready for this question. <laughs> I've, uh, <laughs> you know, I've just dealt with this so much. And I think as any entrepreneur, one thing I want to tell everybody out there is as an entrepreneur, you have to face adversity. If you are an entrepreneur today and you're not facing adversity, you're either not making any money or you are not growing nearly fast enough. 
So for me, the two lessons, the greatest lessons I'll give you, number one is you find a system that works, you stick to it. We as entrepreneurs have this innate bad habit of wanting to reinvent the wheel because we're creative and it really gets in our way. So we also feel that simply by taking risk, we'll get more return. That is actually not true. And you actually have to sit down and genuinely look, if I take this risk and it works, what's the possible win? And then think back to what's the safe way to do it and what's the win with that. So when I had a system that was working, which is now what is in the Circle of Profit book, well, years ago when my business failed and I went bankrupt and I was $1.7 in debt, the reason I got there is because I abandoned that system. I wanted to build something different, something bigger. I wanted to build a big bang, as I called it. You know, I wanted to build an educational platform that would basically be the Facebook of online education. And uh, I was not prepared for that. That was a completely different world, a completely different business, something I knew nothing about. And the biggest mistake I made is I stopped doing what was working. And tried to switch over to do to, to that because I felt like I had the golden touch. And I thought just that got to put in more risk for the big billion dollar return. So my first lesson is when you have a system that's working, it's making you money. And if you want to do something different, you want to try to grow into a different thing, that's fine. Focus yourself until you can really automate what's working and make sure you never stop that. You've got to keep growing on what works. Be safe and do what works. The second lesson I'll give you, and this is a more specific one that really kicked my butt, and that is do not ever scale your company or your resources or your expenditure based on projections. And repeat that. Do not scale your expenses and your investment based purely on projections because projections are just that and they never, ever, 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 ever happen that way. So what I did the first time was I started to grow my company. I literally grew it from one person and six years later, we had a team of close to 100 people. We had three offices all around the world. We had directors and VPs and chief this and it looked great from the outside, but all of it because I thought, when I get this done, it will potentially do this much money and I'll need all these people. Well, guess what? It didn't. It didn't get done. It took years more. When it got done, it didn't do anything. And in the meantime, the economy completely collapsed around me and I stopped doing the one thing that was making me money. And now what I had is about a half a million to $600,000 a month of burn rate and no money coming in. So although I say $1.7 million in debt, it's sad how quickly I went into that. It was about a six-month period in which I went from being break-even to being $1.7 million in debt, purely because I scaled based on projections and not reality. Now, Anak, one habit I've observed from very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? I am currently studying and learning how to be a CEO because it is a very different thing than being an entrepreneur. Um, and it's another area where I think I had a lot of flaws and misunderstandings the first time around. This time, we've shattered past the $10 million ceiling that I had been kind of plateauing at for years. And I would tell you the biggest thing there has been to learn how to be a CEO. How do you properly scale a company? I've gone out gotten coaching for it. I've joined mastermind groups for it. I'm reading books on the topic, watching videos, reading biographies. Um, that's become my passion is to turn myself from being an entrepreneur into now being a CEO. Yeah, it's a completely different skill set, isn't it? Absolutely. Couldn't be more different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, Anak, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world a better place than we found it. 
by passing down a mindset, strong values, and principles to guide future generations, not just money. So if you can't pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth, achieve happiness and success, what would they be? That's a great question, by the way. And, um, you know, the first thing I would tell anyone is don't focus on the money. Now, I'm not trying to give that cliche old advice that money doesn't buy happiness and all of that. And I, you know, don't necessarily believe in that because I think money doesn't hurt. And I think that, you know, having money does make you pos- does make it possible for you to do a lot more in life. I mean, today we have a great and bustling nonprofit that's building schools for children in the slums. All of that's because I have money. You know, I'm able to provide for my family and retire my parents because I have money. So I do believe money is important. But ironically, the more you chase it, the less of it you get. And in my business, I today could not tell you how much money I have. If you ask me what my net worth is, I don't have a single clue because it's not about that. For me, it's about the next challenge, the next obstacle, next personal mission, the next you know corporate mission. What can we do to make a change? What problem can we solve? And I just know that when I do it, the money comes. It's just a byproduct. But every time in my history when I've chased money, I've failed. So the second piece of advice that I would give is going to sound a little cliche um, if you've heard it before. It's nothing that we've not heard before. But if you really dive deep into it, if you really think about it, I'm going to tell you, especially in today's political climate, especially in today's world, I really believe it applies. And that is there's no replacement for hard work. Pure and simple. Failure is part of the process. You have to hustle. You have to want it. You know, wanting it. People say you got to want it bad. No, no, no. You don't have to want it bad. You have to be obsessed with it. It has to be the thing you think about when you wake up. It has to be the thing you think about when you go to sleep. And there are going to be critics out there who criticize me for this and say, well, what about family? And what? Let's, you know, let's take it in the right light. Obviously, you think about family. I wake up. Of course, I'm very worried about my wife and my parents and everybody around me. But I am also thinking about my career and my business and what I'm doing. You have to. And you've got to put the hours in. Nobody in our world who is very successful, who is very wealthy, got there without putting in hard work. And I think today's day and age, we got to remind people that the hand-me-downs and, and the mentality that people have, it's, it's just not good. I do believe no matter what background you come from, no matter what you've had in your past, you can make anything of yourself today that you want to be, but you have to work hard. The third thing I would say is be quick to ask for help. Now, this is one of the things that I do really pride myself on. I think that I'm one of the best at this is I have absolutely zero pride. If I hit a hurdle, I would rather call in somebody who I know knows the answer, get the answer, ask them for help, admit my vulnerability in the area that I am not good at this, get my answer, move on, and build. But I actually know a lot of people and a lot of entrepreneurs that uh, would probably take that as a bit of an ego hit and they would not do it. Uh, some that are very close to me that I've seen spend days and days and days trying to figure something out when I've literally looked at them and said it would take a seven-minute phone call to this person and would have this resolved. So be quick to ask for help. The people in your life around you are that just that. They're your people in your life around you. Now, I don't say use people. You've got to be the same for them. You've got to be there to help, help everybody as well. But there's nothing wrong with asking someone who's better than you at something how to do something. There just isn't. Be quick for it. The quicker you are at it, the wealthier you're going to be. No, those are great points. I love the first one too, just focusing on solving problems and pains and helping others and also 
creating values for other for others through your products and services. If money is a representation of value, then it's just a byproduct of the amount of value that you provide for others. And then the Absolutely. hard work part too is is it's so true. And it's such a good reminder because especially with social media <laughs> these days, it, there's a completely different picture that's painted, you know, the uh, burning the midnight, the midnight oil, if you, so to speak. And we're putting in the, the long, hard hours as part of it and working extremely hard. And it's so true. You know, the hours that goes into this behind the scenes of trying to build something in a business is, it, it, you know, a lot of people don't see that, just the people that are close to close to the people that that have become successful um and then also the, the just asking for help is 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 such a great point now Anik, you've done some amazing things especially giving back in through charitable work in india can you please tell us to, about some of the work that you've done in india oh man i don't know if we have enough time this is my life's <laughs> true passion i could spend i could spend hours and hours talking about this you know i'll tell you a little story so back before i was successful um, in business before I even knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was a young child. I would tell you as young as seven, eight, nine years old. I used to run around telling my dad that I was going to build schools in India. I mean, talk about, you know, the power of law of attraction. And my dad never knew where it came from. Till this day, he'll ask me. He doesn't know where it came from, but he'd listen to me talk about it. And, and he would say, okay, you know, sure. So I think where it comes from is that my father has always told me his story of how he got to where he is today. People will come to me and compliment me and say, oh, look at what you've done with your life. And I'll say, it's nothing compared to what my father did with his and what he did for us. When my father was growing up, he did, he studied under a lamppost a mile from his home because they didn't have electricity. And he worked his way to literally being in the top 15 in the country, uh, in India's toughest engineering exam that's offered he actually went on to have a big big position there eventually found a way to come to the u.s and has since then and today is the lead engineer of you know the lead engineer for the government overseeing two different nuclear power plants uh that run in this country i mean he has excelled beyond belief and he always instilled into us the in, the value of education and how hard it was for him to get an education so this was a passion and a dream of mine for a long time. Since I've matured and grown, and it's become not only a passion, it's become a mission. It's become what my life is about. So my wife and I started a nonprofit called For All Our Good. And um, the mission of For All Our Good is to find not other nonprofits, to incubate nonprofits around the world who, who don't just give. I don't believe in giving. I don't think we're going to solve our world's problems by giving. I think we're going to solve our world's problems by empowering. You know, we have today, in today's day, we have 2.8 billion people in the world that represents about 40% of our population that live on less than $2 a day. They are, are in extreme poverty. And I can tell you right now that we, if we wanted to give their way to living a, to living an in, you know, still living a poor life, but not living a complete obscenely poor life, we would have to be donating close to $7.1 trillion a year that goes directly into their pockets. Currently in the world, we donate about $500 billion. We're at about 6.5% of what we would need to be, and yet we're the most generous human race we've ever been in the history of our kind. 
So we're far away from solving this problem. So with that said, for all our good partnered with a organization in India where we have begun to build these schools that we call dream centers. They're not just schools. They're community houses for everyone in that community. We serve currently about 500 uh, 550 children. We have six schools. We're building two more next year. And the reason we call them dream centers is because we dare to ask three-year-olds what their dreams are. I was recently in India and I actually sat down with a three, I think he was a three and a half year old. His name was Kunal. And I asked him what he wants to be when he grows up. And he told me he wants to be a pilot. I was very surprised. And I tried to clarify with him and I said, oh, you mean you want to be in a plane? And he said, no, I want to be the one flying it. And I had a moment really sat back and I thought, God, we don't really ask these children, do we? They don't just want food. They don't just want water. They don't just want a home. They want something more. Let's ask them. Let's find out what it is. And then let's, as a society, let's empower them so they can go and get it. We don't have to do it for them. They'll go do it. We just have to help them. And so that's what our dream centers do. We run entrepreneurship workshops for their parents. We run health clinics. We run dental clinics. Um, We obviously run school for the children. We don't just teach them the one, two, threes and ABCs, but we teach them Basically, how to dream. We teach them how to get themselves from where they are right now. And mind you, these children literally live in 10 by 10 boxes. They, some of them live in cardboard boxes. Um, but our facilities are first class. Um, they come and learn how to use computers. They learn what Bluetooth is. I mean, we really just want to open up the world for them. We don't want them to only live in that world that they currently live in. So, you know, it's a big passion, a big dream of mine. Um, we are, you know, as we, as I grow, uh, my mission in life is to put 1 million children through what I like to call the upgraded education, which is not just one, two, threes and ABCs, but to get them to think bigger. Um, and that, you know, if I can die knowing that I hit that number, that would be the most successful life I could possibly live. That's amazing and extremely inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Anik, how, how can my audience learn more about you and your company and, and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Sure. Well, thank you for asking. Um, you know, I would say that there's really two main domain names, um, learn.com, but that's learn with a U, so L-U-R-N.com. We've also got a blog over there. So if you go to learn.com, click on blog, you'll see some of the latest of what's going on. And you'll see links to some of the courses that we currently offer. And then if you go to onyxsingal.com, that's A-N-I-K-S-I-N-G-A-L.com, you'll have a little bit more information about me personally. Great. And I will put links to all of those uh, resources in our show notes today. Onyx, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. I really appreciate it. And I had a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everybody, for giving me your ear for so long. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining myself and my guest, Anik Sangal, on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today. Anik has made available a free copy of his book, The Circle of Profit, which you can download at cashflowninja.com forward slash Anik or text CIRCLE to 44222. That's com forward slash Anik or text Circle to 44222 to get a copy of Onyx's book, The Circle of Profit. Guys, please remember to sign up for my first webinar that I will be hosting with Thinkafix Sid Barat, a previous guest of the show. Sid is going to reveal the ultimate blueprint to easily create and sell your first online course. It's this Wednesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I really appreciate your support. 
Um, Sid's going to provide a ton of value if you're interested in learning how to create and sell online courses. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with friends, family, and your network. I've really been humbled by the support and feedback, guys. If there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please email me at info at cashflowninja.com or tweet me at at mclobsher on Twitter. Don't forget to take advantage from the offers of our partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense, and earth-grown foods, and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middlemen. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000, and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. Dot com. And don't forget our wise partner, Audible. They offer a free audio book download. When you try Audible for 30 days, you can download your free audio book download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 